I wanted to talk about craving and clinging and and this other this other um, concept that I. I hadn't really thought much about, but somebody I was talking to somebody on Tuesday and she mentioned this this phrase that's used um, frequently in the suttas that I don't think ever, ever landed that I paid attention to it too much before. And so I said, all right, I want to look at that. And it's really about craving and clinging and, and sensual pleasure, um, not necessarily lust, but just something that's um uh, pleasing to us and the the phrases uh, I don't know if it's phrase but it's three words um, gratification desire and escape and it's t- it's really about recognizing the gratification that is present in uh, pleasant circumstances pleasant sensations like the taste of a delicious food or a, a, a smell or a thought or uh, something that's pleasant and pleasing, um, recognizing the danger uh, that 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 simple um, gratification can lead to craving and clinging, which is the root or the uh, cause of suffering, as taught by the Buddha in the Four Noble Truths, and also to recognize the escape. And how to get out of that place of, um, of entrapment by these these uh, sensual pleasures, whatever they are, how how we get we get caught in clinging, and so that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. This idea of craving and clinging, and and this is this is a I think it's a, a teaching about the subtlety of practice and and the paying attention. Uh, to our experience, which is so important. It's important for, um, it's what we do in our meditation practice. We pay attention to where we're stuck, and those were the instructions I was giving. Just notice where you where you go, what that habit of mind is. And um, that's what prepares us for our walking around experience. We, we fine tune this, this uh, awareness, this cultivation of how we're uh, reacting to sensory experience, sensory experience, and so then when we're walking around in the our everyday life, we're much more attuned to what that experience might be like. So we're uh, the more we're attuned to it, the less likely we are to get stuck in it. And moving to that place of non-clinging. Is where we want to go, and you know, there's a line in one of the suttas which I didn't write down, but the Tathagata has found this place of the Buddha is the Tathagata has this place of liberation, which is this place of non-clinging. That's the place of freedom, of not holding on to anything, and it's um, so it sees this is a this is a teaching on seeing the the craving and watching it turn into clinging and being able to avoid that. And it's about investigation, investigating this this uh, uh, experience that you have. I also uh, listened to a, a talk by Carol Wilson, who is a wonderful Dharma teacher, and she talked about this um, gratification and danger and escape. Um, 
So what I want to do is ex kind of def offer a couple of definitions. And so by craving, I mean um, that, that leaning into something. We begin to, there's a craving for something, so we kind of move in the direction. There's a craving for some ice cream, so you like move towards that, or there's a craving for uh, uh, scratching an itch, so you, you do that. Um, clinging is picking it up. King, clinging is, I mean, excuse me, clinging, yeah, clinging is grabbing hold of something. And um, the Buddha said, clinging, and I, clinging is suffering, craving is suffering. And I came out of a retreat a number of years ago. I can't remember what the retreat was about, but the one phrase that I came out of there with is clinging equals suffering. When we hold on, we suffer. When we release, there's liberation, there's freedom. The absence of clinging is freedom. And so the practice of letting go of renunciation is the practice of moving into this place of not needing to hold on to anything, which is this place of freedom. It's not a place of having to do it so you'll be a good person. It's understanding that renunciation is this path to liberation, is this path to freedom. So, um, there's another uh, uh, a definition of, um, or the word that's often translated as craving in Pali means thirst. It means that having that need to ingest something or wanting to ingest something, um, wanting to get something. So there's that leaning towards. And I was reminded of the, um, the realm of the hungry ghosts. If you're familiar with that teaching, it's the, the ghosts are these beings who have these really big fat bodies and teeny little mouths so that they can never get enough. So that's this place of always wanting, wanting, wanting more, more, more and grabbing, 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 but never having any satisfaction, never having enough. Because when we run around grabbing, there's never enough. You know, you've gotten, you've all, this is one of my favorite reflections that we've all gotten something that we really wanted. All of us have gotten something that we wanted. It could be something simple like um, got what you wanted for your birthday. It could be large. It could be whatever. But we've all gotten that one thing, at least one thing. But none of us have lived happily ever after because of it. That I'm guessing, I'm guessing um, that that thing didn't provide that uh, that outcome, because it's we're looking to the outside for something to fix us. So that's what that that um, realm of the hungry ghost is that that craving for sensual delights or or um, something to fix us. And so when they talk about clinging, they talk about clinging to various things, clinging to sense pleasure, you know, wanting things to be pleasant all the time, clinging to views, the idea how we think things should be, and I know we all have that, um, clinging to like, uh, what is it, um, uh, superstitions, kind of the, the, the rites and rituals, and then clinging roles and how we how things need to be and then clinging to self view. So there's the view of the world and then there's the view of us, how we see ourselves and how we need other people to see us. And um, that 
uh, that's very, um, that's interesting. And anything that comes between us and our views, whether the view of the world or the view of uh, ourselves or us getting something sensually pleasant, is oftentimes um, jarring and something that we will do whatever we can to avoid. Anything that comes between me and how I see myself or how I think you need to see me, we want to avoid at all costs. And that's aversion. That's pushing away what is. And so um, that's uh, that thirst and that clinging. There's another, there's another, uh, uh, another word that's used a lot called chanda, which is also, I think, oftentimes thought of as desire, but it's in Buddhist um, Buddhist circles, or oftentimes in Buddhism, people think the word desire is a bad word. And if you're a good Buddhist, you have no desire. You become a robot. You are not a human being anymore. So I think it's really important to understand that it doesn't mean you have no desire. Because this word chanda is, um, means there's an excitement or a zeal. So there's a zeal for practice. Hopefully sometimes if you, you know, like, or if you're going on a retreat, there's an excitement. Or if you're going to do something, if you're going to see, um, if you're going to see a friend um, that you haven't seen in a while, especially right now. You know, there's so much that we've been separated from because of the pandemic. That when you think about, you know, reconnecting with a loved one, there's an excitement there. That's that's wholesome. That's wholesome. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's when we get caught up in this want needing it, needing it to happen. That's when it goes from from a wholesome um, awareness, a gratification into uh, you move into the danger zone and you start clinging and needing the outcome to be that certain way. That's when the suffering starts. That's when that extra level of, um, of uh, yeah, suffering, um, dissatisfaction, um, dis, dis-ease, um, stress, as Tanisara Bhikkhu calls it. Um, what is another word? That I just heard somebody translating that as dukkha. I can't remember. It'll come to me maybe. So um, there's even a sutta that talks about, you know, householders who have a lot of wealth that there's nothing wrong with that. You take care of your family. You take care of your household. You share. You practice generosity. So it's not that you have to give everything away. It's not that you deny wealth or you deny what you have or you you live as as an aesthetic because the buddha tried that and it didn't work what you do is you develop a healthy relationship with these sensual objects these sensory pleasures um there and there's this um you develop this ease with the pleasant you develop a, a way of being with things and so it's really important to pay attention to um, and investigate uh, this this uh, this relationship you have with these these items and when because um, the question comes up uh, a lot and I get this a lot when I teach about this talking about um, 
you know, clinging and, and craving and people say, well, you know, I want to go to grad school or I want a new job and what's wrong with that and, and what's wrong with wanting, um, you know, uh, 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 white supremacy to end and go away. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the wrong question. I, I like Carol Wilson talks about this. She says, that's not really the, the, the question. And I talk about this, too. It's what's your relationship, your uh, emotional and mental state of mind and heart? What's driving that? And so what came up for me today when I was thinking about this was the idea of social media. A lot of people have a difficult time with Facebook or with Instagram or with Twitter because it can be very agitating. They can spend hours, hours lost in, in social media. And uh, it's it's again, it's like a realm of the hungry ghost. I think I was talking, Rick Hansen talked about that, where you go and you're like constantly feeding yourself, feeding yourself, feeding yourself and getting no, no nourishment. There's no nourishment there. So it's not that social media is inherently bad. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of connection that can happen on there. There's a lot of information that's available. But what's your relationship to it? Is it, are you stuck? Is it causing you um, um, stress, suffering? That's what you have to investigate, your relationship to these things. It's like I, years ago I realized that M&Ms were not inherently evil. It was my relationship to M&Ms that was like not healthy because I ate them a lot all the time. So it's that type of thing that you need to investigate. What is, um, what's the question you're asking? What's your emotional relationship to what you're looking for to what you're looking at what your where your craving is leaning into so and recognize that there is gratification when i have a couple of m&ms there's gratification there it's when i have to have them or if there's you know there's a relationship that i have to have or there's a job that i have to have or there's something that i have to have i must have or else you know it has to be this way or else and what they talk about in the one of the ways they talk about this is in the um and the suttas is a sutta of the second dart or the second arrow, which I, I, I've talked about a lot, so you're probably familiar with, which is when you have the discomfort of uh, something happening to you. Let's say you get hit with a dart and it's painful. And instead of just acknowledging the pain of the dart, you go into, this is stupid, who shot this? This is, you know damn you, why is this happening to me? You, Why didn't you jump in front of me and block the dart or whatever the story is? So we take the reality of our experience and then we make it worse. We intensify the suffering because we're unwilling to... Um, we're unwilling to be with the discomfort. And what the Buddha says, he says, what happens is we begin to resist and resent the painful. And this resistance and this resentment becomes a habit of mind. The, we begin to move into this place of unwillingness to be with the pain and we chase the good. So there's this 
resentment and resistance for the painful. And the, I love the phrase, the uninstructed worldling knows only pleasant. He only chases the pleasant. He doesn't understand that all things come and go, that the nature of existence is arising and passing of pleasant and unpleasant. And he does not know the gratification of whatever the present time is. He doesn't see the danger and he doesn't know how to escape. So the uninstructed worldling is clueless. All they're chasing is the gratification and not aware of the danger. And, and totally deluded about escape. So that is what happens to us when we don't pay attention. So this teaching is to say there is pleasant in these sensual experiences, whether they're ple pain, ple pleasant or unpleasant. Some of us are, 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 are into the unpleasant, you know. So to recognize the, the gratification that's there to be with it. If there's joy, be with the joy. If there's pleasant, be with the pleasant. I remember one time when I was in Syria and I was doing a practice of renunciation and I would get baklava there, which was so good. And I probably talked about this before. And I would eat my baklava and I would eat it mindfully and I would enjoy every single bite. Yum. Yum experience the gratification, but I didn't need to have it to be okay. And when I left the country, there was no more baklava for $2 a kilo, which is crazy. Anyway, um, there's only, and so it's like, okay, when it's gone, you let go. You release. You release your attachment. You release your attachment to views of the way things should be. You release your attachment to who you are. We release our attachment to all kinds of things. Um, what we tend to do is make the object of our desire beautiful and important. And that's how we get caught up in the views. I need to have this because. And we, we embellish it. Um, we rationalize it. We, we give it meaning. And all this is doing is pointing outside, pointing to, you know, Everything out there. I need what's out there in order to be okay. I need that. I need that. I need that. Instead of turning inward and going, what's happening right now? This is pleasant. This is unpleasant. Can I just be? I had an experience this morning. I was, um, I was, I was, um, I went to the, um, I went to the farmer's market and then I went to the supermarket and somewhere in there I stopped at Coffee Bean and got a iced Earl Grey latte, which brings me great joy. And I was walking around the supermarket and I noticed there was this, there was this ease, there was this calm. And I was wondering because I did a, a loving kindness practice this morning in the morning meditation and I thought that might have something to do with it because there was a, 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 an inclination towards kindness towards myself. So that might have been part of it. But I noticed there was that ease and that calm and that, that level of joy came from when I poked at it. I noticed I wasn't clinging or holding on to anything. 
I was just moving through the store, moving around, doing what needed to be done, appreciating my, my little latte, my Earl Grey latte. And, and that is what the promise of letting go is. There's an ease. Um, there's a calm. That's always present. They talk about this. I think Ajahn Chah talks about that. A lot of teachers talk about that. I think Ajahn Buddha Dasa talks about that. That's the natural state of the heart when it's not covered up with all this craving and clinging and wanting and pushing away and, and trying to adjust reality to fit our, our need or our point of view. Instead of saying, right now it's like this. And it's important to recognize those moments of ease. They might last just a few seconds. They might last a while. This is, this is what the Buddha remembered when the night of his enlightenment, he remembered back when he was a child, when he was, I think, a young boy, watching his father do some work in the field. I think that's what it was, the story. And he was just in the moment, absolutely in the moment, not caught up in the habit of mind that's chasing something, but just be present. Just be present. Um, the more you practice, the more you recognize. And actually, I think this happens to everyone. These moments of ease happen, but we're not paying attention to it because we're not attuned to our experience. It's so important to stay attuned to our experience and recognize, oh, there's pleasant Oh, there's ease, there's tranquility. Normally we want something to give us that tranquility. I'm gonna take the day off and I'm gonna and I'm gonna lay outside and I'm gonna read and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that in order to create this experience of something or other. And then it doesn't work out because sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't, and then we get angry or we get whatever. But to have that happen just because there's no clinging or no craving is really beautiful. And that's part of the, the seven factors of awakening, this, this ease, this joy, this tranquility. So to recognize when that's happening is, is extremely important. Um, you know, I was happy and then I, I don't remember if it went away or not. But there was I was I was grateful for it. And oftentimes I go, okay, this is nice. I'm going to ride this as long as it's here. Um, and what's also important in this practice and this cultivation of 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 uh, seeing clearly, seeing with mindful wisdom, uh, your experience is to when you are stuck in something. Uh, recognize what story you're stuck in. Um, talking about view, what's the driver? Um, what's driving that craving? It's like well, for me, one of the experiences is um, busyness. I'm always very busy. I have been busy for years and my fantasy is that I won't be busy someday and then my head says 
then there'll be something wrong. If you're not busy, then something's going to be very wrong. Even during this pandemic, I remember when the pandemic first started and people were like, all this time on your hands. I've been busy the whole time. I've got stuff to do all the time. And I was talking to somebody a month ago and she said, and what I've been trying to do is, is for years I've been rationalizing rationalizing the story about why I'm so busy and rationalizing the story about why I'm choosing to do this instead of doing that and unable to let go, unable to say no and I'm unable to let go of, of doing all these things. And she said, what you need to do, and I know this, but she said, what you need to do is let go of the story when you're in that place of the mind rationalizing because that's a view, fix, you know, embellishing the view making your view very pretty, making that outside story important and turn inward and sit with what's pleasant or what's present, what's driving that. Oh, that's not someplace I've ever wanted to go. What's underneath that, that drive for busyness, for always doing something, checking things off a list? I'm not there yet. I don't know. When it happens, maybe I'll know and I'll be able to share that. But that is the investigation, not external. Like, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Blah, blah, blah. Managing all the surroundings, but turning towards the internal drivers. Notice that I think there's a quote from Ajahn Chah who says something around that. He says, we're sunk. I don't think that was actually his line, but that's what I wrote. We're sunk because we only look externally. We have to look internally. We have to withdraw the attention from the object. It doesn't mean we don't appreciate the object, whatever it is. But we have to see what's driving our relationship to it. What's driving our relationship to busyness? What's driving our relationship to a relationship? What's driving our need to have things a certain way? Once we bring the attention to that, then there's the ability or the, the, the uh, wisdom. When we see clearly this relationship, and it's not that we have to let go. We, it, just, it just happens. Sometimes just bringing attention to it helps it disappear and dissipate. And I know, I'm sure you've all had that experience when all of a sudden you notice, oh, you see clearly what the story is, and then it's just gone. There's no, The attachment has been um, uh, dissolved. So um, I think it's really important. I love, the, I love this idea, this recognizing that there is gratification. That these pleasant experiences are there doesn't mean we don't want them. But to recognizing the danger of getting caught up in them and that there is an escape, which is letting go. So there is gratification. Be with it, you know, and let it go. Watch the tendency to start clinging. And it's a very interesting um, idea, and I heard a, a man speak many years ago at a conference who has OCD, and he said, you know, because it's the compulsiveness in OCD, 
And um, there's that flavor of compulsiveness in our clinging and our needing things to be a certain way. It may not feel that way, but if we can't let go of an idea, we can't let go of something that we need to have, there's a compulsiveness in it. And the thing that, um, and it's the same with addiction. There's that, that compulsiveness, that obsessiveness in it. And then when we get whatever is the object that we're desiring, there's an ease that shows up until the compulsion starts up again. And, but the ease is not from getting what we want. The ease is from the cessation of the compulsion. The ease is from the sensation of the clinging and the craving. So if we, we address the clinging and the craving rather than the object, that's when the, that's when the ease and the peace comes, the liberation. So that's where the shift in perspective is. It's not the thing, it's our relationship to it. It's the driver that has us going after it. So it's an internal investigation, not an external investigation. So there's gratification. Getting it's not going to fix us. Ex experience it when it's here, but the danger is becoming attached to it, developing that, that stickiness. But there's an escape in letting go. So those are my thoughts on this craving and clinging, and I'm happy to have any questions or comments or thoughts or rebuttals. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.